Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. Let me pray for the Word of God. Heavenly Father, thank you. God, um, your Word is timeless. It's truth that transforms First the human heart, then the human story, all of eternity. And so, God, now we pray that you would do something good with it, something way beyond me in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning about rediscovering the art of being moved to become an activist for what really matters. To rediscover the art of being moved. I don't know what you're like, but my wife, Brumwin Hillary Bunnell, often says to me, Darren, your phone is tied to you. When I'm being natural and not very selfless, I say, well, Brum, what's the difference between you and I? But there is a difference. I'm worse than her. For about six months, I took Instagram and Facebook off my phone. It was a beautiful world. It was a simple life. In fact, if I could have my way, I'd go back to 1984 or wherever it was when Back to the Future was the best movie on the planet. And... and when the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs were the best rugby league team in the world. But I can't. I'm stuck here. With the beauty of Instagram, Facebook, and all the various platforms, which names I confuse because I'm a Gen Xer. But I think our lives now are a bit like social media. We sort of scroll through them, don't we? There, there, there are moments that, even a generation ago, there are moments that would have affected people that we are affected briefly by, but then we scroll by. Because just the way that we've been conditioned. Not, there's no conspiracy behind it, or maybe there is, but I'm unaware of it. But it's just the way we're conditioned because of the world we live in. And we're sort of, I don't know about you, I'm scrolling through life. I mean, it's my nature anyway is just to move on. That's how I'm wired. And my wife has taught me especially when, I, you know, when you're sinning, you're getting it wrong. I know some of you don't even like the word sin. It's real. Um, but when I'm getting it wrong, she'll say, Darren, you need, to, you need to linger in this and not just move on. Not so you feel bad, but so you feel the weight of it. It's great advice. But in a scrolling age, for us as people who are inclined to move, we're not being moved by things that really matter to God. And I don't know about you, but I want to be moved by things that matter. And so this morning, I just want to talk about that with you, with the minutes we have, um, and just talk about rediscovering the art of being moved to become an activist for what matters most. In Matthew chapter 9 and from verse 35, um, I think it's coming on the screen. If it does, yell out at me. It does. You're a talented human, Lockie Bunnell. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. We know that Jesus arrives to meet human need, but more than that, he comes talking about, we see it here, his gospel. There's sort of these two things going on. He's meeting human need as he goes and he's bringing the eternal gospel as he comes. And he's 
constantly over the course of Jesus' ministry life, they are the two things going on. But in the midst of doing those things, he's disrupted by the state of their soul. He's disrupted by where people are really at. And Jesus is so moved by it, he turns to his disciples, to his followers, and he says, there's an incredible harvest of people in the world in which we live. We've got a labour shortage and we need to pray to God about it. Jesus is not only moved, but he's, he's, there's enough movement in his spirit to go, I'm not only going to be moved and then move on, I'm going to be moved and then I'm going to do something about it. He acts on it. And I don't know if you've ever seen, who's seen the movie The Hunger Games? Anyone the first one, the trilogy? Probably the second best series of movies ever made. Amen. Okay, I'm just leaving gap for the top one for you. Mads, you know, mermaids with the dolphins on ABC or whatever it is. They, they, um, but the, 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 the woman who wrote The Hunger Games, which you may love or loathe, I, I know there's some strong opinions I personally love. Um, the, the woman who wrote The Hunger Games, the story goes that she was watching TV and she put on a channel and on the channel was something about world hunger and she flipped the channel and suddenly she was looking at something, don't quote me on this next bit, but something like, you know, getting Botox. Now, I haven't got a view on Botox. I'll probably form one as I get older, but I don't particularly have a view. It's, it's not about Botox. But what it is about is that the world we live in, one second you can be moved by that, but the next second it's completely wiped out and we've moved on to this. And we live in a, I heard it said, a microwave uh, world with a crockpot God. He's a slow cooker. He, 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 he's not interested in my immediate, in the sense that he's not going to be moved just because I want it now. He's a God who sits outside of time. The Bible says that to him, one moment is as a thousand years, or a thousand years is as one moment. And he's, he's, I don't know how that works, neither do you, won't till eternity, but here's what I do. He, he's not in a hurry like we are. And so just moving away from the hurry for our hearts to be captured by what matters, that you and I might be moved to things that matter rather than scrolling through life with things that don't. Does that make sense? I'm going to read a passage off the screen here probably. Romans chapter 1 and from verse 8. First, Paul's writing to, oh well, we think it's Paul. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. I want you to imagine that he's writing this to you today because although he intended it for the Roman church, God intended it for the global church across every generation. Indeed, this was written with you in mind as it relates to the inspiration of God's Spirit. So first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his Son, is my witness how, I constantly, how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times and I pray that now, at last, by God's will, the way may be opened for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to come to you. Hey, I'd put in brackets, so don't worry when our plans don't come to pass in the time frame we were thinking of. In order that I might have a, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I may have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles. I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. 
That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. For, for wrath, or for, sorry, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them or to everyone. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that the people are without excuse. I want to talk to you about this idea of the gospel and I want to bring us to um, being moved to act on it and act on um, things that matter. Rediscovering the art of being moved as it relates to the things that really matter. Um, if you are someone who sincerely trusts in Jesus, you have encountered what we just read there. You have been shaped and affected by what the Bible calls the gospel. Something happened, no matter how you're going in this moment, something fundamentally happened that caused us to be um, un uh, changed eternally and the gospel had an effect on your life. Um, the gospel has shaped history. It's transforming the present. It's defining the future. The gospel is more exciting. It's more dynamic. It's more inspiring than, you know, we give it credit for. Maybe that we've, not maybe, certainly that we've understood it for, the gospel of Jesus. And in verse 16 of this passage, I left my Bible at home, so I'm, I'm trying to work off the screen in case my eyes can't hold up on a smaller print. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, he says, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first the Jew and then for the Gentiles, and it goes on. It's the power of God, this gospel message. Timothy Keller um, says this about the gospel. He says, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Pause. I just want us to hold it there for a moment because this is not bad news. It's good news. My children, except for Lockie, he's serving today, but you know, the children who aren't serving today, Isabella, they are, she is more corrupted than she cares to believe. And I know that's true because I'm a dad. She's, she's a good girl, by the way. She's out of the room, so that was really wasted. <laughs> and I owe her five bucks for mentioning her in the message. So. But we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dare believe. And to come to that is actually the point at which something liberating can happen. If I don't come to that, if I can't go, oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm pretty good. No, yeah, we're not. And if I can't come to that, it's, it's at the moment I come to that that I actually need a saviour that the gospel and its power can make a difference to our lives. He says, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe, yet at the very same time we are more loved and accepted in Jesus than we ever dared hope. And that's the, that's the truth. We are more loved and accepted in Jesus than we ever dared hope. The Bible says this in Romans as well. It says, you see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, and we were, and we are, Apart from him, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. I don't know about you. I'm not queuing up for that job. 
Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die, the Bible says. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we still had a tension between him and us, Christ died for us. For while we were still God's enemies, we were reconciled to God through his death or the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We've been reconciled to God. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if many died by the trespass of the one man, the original man, how much more did God's grace and gift that came from the grace by one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation and corruption for all people, so also the righteous acts of one justified life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also by the obedience of one, the many will be made righteous. Right in there is contained the essential gospel. Put simply, God's good news for all humanity is that through the person and work of Jesus, God fully accomplishes salvation. For us, um, it's Jesus rescuing us from the judgment of sin. It's Jesus restoring our relationship with God. And it's Jesus renewing the human heart in our lives. And when we believe and rely on Jesus rather than ourselves, not only do we have right standing before God and a relationship with God, His power comes upon us and begins to work in us and through us to bring heaven to earth. And I think that's important. We're not just waiting out earth for heaven to bring heaven to earth until that day when earth is taken over by heaven. And we're here for that. You and I, if we believe in Jesus, are to bring heaven to earth at this time. In, in verse 13, um, Paul writes to the, the church in Corinthians and, um, and he says, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that you know, many times in order that I might have a harvest among you just as I've had among the Gentiles. And as he says that, he's actually, he, it's actually a twofold harvest if you read around it. He wants to have a harvest in the people of God and he wants to have, or in the people, Roman church, and he wants to have a harvest of what the Bible calls salvation beyond the Roman church. He's on his way to Rome so that there'd be a harvest in people's lives that know Jesus and a harvest of people's lives and souls that don't know Jesus. And that's what God really has left you and I on the planet for. I mean, I don't know about you. I feel I get to do the best gig in the whole... I don't know anyone in Tamworth I want to swap jobs with. Let's put it that way. But all the nice things that come your way and all the good things you get to do, bottom line is, I'm here on mission. If you know Jesus, so are you. We're here on mission to see a harvest in the lives of his people and to see a harvest of people coming to know the knowledge of who he is what he's done all he's promised and so that's what God wants the gospel going forward and so it's Paul talks about it here and and he in verse 14 he says I'm obligated and it can be rendered a different way it can be rendered as indebted have you got any money you're too loaded you got any money (laughs) credit card will do Daniels has it got money on it at the moment so let's say that Daniel gives me his credit card, which is a beautiful thing. I only pick on him. Let's say Daniel gives me a couple of let's say Daniel gives me five grand. Good idea today. <laughs> Daniel gives me five thousand dollars off his credit card and he says, Darren, that's yours. 
but you've got to pay it back. I'm indebted to him until I pay it back or I run away. Either way, I'm still indebted. The indebted Paul's talking about slightly different. Madzi, can you come stand here for me? And Daniel, sorry, mate. I know. I apologised to him last week that I always use him, but <laughs> here we are. Another given day. Come up here, gorgeous child. Madzi. So Daniel gives me, Daniel gives me the credit card. Five grand. What Paul's saying is, Paul is indebted because of what God has given him, but his indebtedness is not, it's to this person. Paul's saying, I have an indebtedness to take what God's given me and to make sure it reaches you. And until, if Daniel has given me this card to ensure that Maddie gets $5,000, why would you do that? Her dad will do it if she just cries or something, right? But if, 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 if that's true, Mads, won't he? You can win your dad. We both know that. So, but if Daniel says, Darren, th this is for Madsy, can you make sure it gets there? First of all, he wouldn't do it because he knows me. He's not going to take that risk. But secondly is that, that I'm indebted until that reaches her hand. And what Paul, thank you, thank you. And what Paul's saying is, I'm obligated, I'm indebted that what has come from God and has changed me is not only for me, but is to come through me. And until it reaches the Romans, I'm indebted to them. Here's the thought. When? Oh. <laughs> right, let's use someone else and let's just, I don't think you've got that. Let's, um, Trav, why don't you come here, bring your credit card. No, I'm only joking. I'm only joking. I'm only joking. They are. You and I are indebted. You and I are indebted. If I know Jesus is my saviour, hey, if you're here and you're going, Darren, this, oh, you're not a Christian, you're going, this full on, no, this isn't full on, this is for you. Because... Bottom line is God is the one who can transform every human heart. And that's the Bible, that's the gospel claim, not only to do good, but it would transform the human heart, it would reshape the human story, and it would redefine a person's eternity. What's to get upset about there? And so you and I are here and we are those who have been entrusted by God. We are indebted to those on the other end of the gospel message. In your sphere of influence, and mine, not in a condemning way, but in a powerful way, we are the indebted to all those around us. Next time you see Maddie Dormer and you see me, remember that until I have passed on the $5,000 to Mads, from your dad actually, Mads, until it gets to you from your dad, that I am still indebted to Maddie, and that's how it is for all of us. And Paul says, I'm indebted to everyone. In verse 5, he says, I do it for Jesus' namesake, for King Jesus. And then he says in verse 14, because they go together, he says, I do it for people's sake. And these two things going on. I think the biggest hindrance to the gospel most of the time is eyes off of me. And it's not about me. Because if I'm honest, if I could get fear out of my system, if I could get rejection out of my system, I don't think there's anything that would hold me back from the gospel. It's only the hindrance. But if I can get my eyes off of me, and my eyes onto others. And he says, you know, for Jesus' sake and for their sake. But then he says this. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of his name because it is the power of God to salvation. And here lies the issue, right? Ashamed. Uh, we'll call it what we want. Like, I just want to be honest with you. Like, I'm, uh, sometimes I'm awkward because I know there's going to be heat sometimes. And he says, but I'm not ashamed. But then in various places like Ephesians, he says this, pray for me. He's writing to the Ephesians church that whenever I speak, words may be given me that I would fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. 
He's saying, hey, pray for me. I, I need more courage than I've currently got. Ask God. And I don't know about you. I feel like that. Pray. It's something that can do, you can do something for me this week by praying for my activism. I can do something for you this week, Joey Sal, by praying for yours. I can do something, Laz, and you can do something for me this week by just praying for our boldness. That's what Paul said to do. And so there's something going on, rediscovering the art of being moved to become activists around what matters most. Now, I want to take you back to the starting passage, and I want to use the um, minutes that we have just to give you a simple way to help us all, really, in our um, activism on things that matter, the gospel and other things. Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. And from verse, we read the passage, right? So let me read it to you from the Bible, which I've worked out I can actually read. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them um, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And then he gives them this prayer. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, he doesn't ask them because they're already doing it. So he hasn't gone, hey, you be the prayers and let's get some doers. They were the doers and he's saying, hey, let's be the prayers. And, and let's see if God doesn't turn up and activate something in the hearts and souls of people. And I, I, I want to be that kind of person. I know you do too. I know that every committed believer actually in the depths of their being wants to be someone who sees people come to a knowledge of Jesus who he is what he's done the transformation he makes that's not in question today we have the same tension many of us have the same tension as Paul the apostle is that we just got to deal with the the fear and the things that go on and that life takes over um and so I want to make room to be moved to act on things that matter. Here are some ways to be moved to act from this passage we just read. Number one, we've talked about it, pray. I mean, pray, pray like it matters. Pray like people coming to faith in Jesus really, really matters. I want to pray like that. And uh, uh, let's just pray like that. Pray for people by name. It starts to shift something, doesn't it? It starts to shift something when you pray for people like by name and just start to pray pray for all of us pray for people we know pray for that day to come where they would come to a knowledge and it says he he saw he saw that they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd and he um he had compassion on them I, thinking about seeing we're going to rediscover the art of being moved thinking about seeing it even let's bring it back from the gospel for us just in terms of good and what needs to happen as those who know jesus when he saw the crowds Jesus saw what nobody was seeing. He, he did then and he does now. He did with them and he does with us. And he does with me and he does with you. He's seeing what nobody else is seeing, isn't it? He? He's there. His eyes perceive. And, and I think God would have some of that go on in our lives. Um, activists are moved because their eyes are off them. Think about an activist in any field. I remember being in Gunnedah years ago and... Uh, the guys from the green, some green movement, I can't even remember, were in Gunnedah. Now, I don't know who did their strategic planning, but if you have a green movement that wants to stop destroying land for farmers to graze on it, the best place to go, in my view, is not Gunnedah. 
because I don't know if you're from Ganada. We have a church in Ganada. It's one of the redneck capitals of Australia. But these guys were so committed to the cause, so passionate about their activism, that they stood down the street of Ganada. I'm sure they copped some abuse. I'm sure there were whispers when people walked by. But they could see what no one else was seeing. And that changes things. Jesus saw what nobody was seeing. That's what activists do. Everything is not as it seems in people's lives, isn't it? In fact, you and I know this is true. I'll tell you how I know. It's because people say, um, Brian and I have a rule. I don't know your rule if you're married. Brian and I have a rule. If, if, if we get dressed and it really doesn't look good, we tell each other, Darren, how does this look? Now, when I was newly married, that's a tricky question. But Brian said, I really want to know. So we really, really do. I tell her. She tells me because I'm a male with more vanity than some of you. She wasn't there this morning, so she, you know, can't blame her in any way. But we don't. Most of the time, people say, what do you think? You go, that looks great. And some of the people who know are looking going, that's the wrong colour. That's the wrong shape for you. It should be a different length, given your body type. doesn't really go with your eyes. doesn't fit your complexion. That looks great. You know what I'm saying? We don't tell people what's really in our heart. When, when we're talking about Jesus and faith, I have found, this is my discovery, that in a group setting, most people don't tell me what they really believe. But you get them alone? It's amazing how it shifts. And so just seeing what's below the surface, what's behind the veneer, having eyes to see those things, the behind the scenes I've written, the below the surface in people's lives. Number one, pray. Number two, see like Jesus. See. Number three, feel. He had compassion on them. And this is the bit of movement. He allowed his heart to feel and be moved, to take it in, to, to, to actually feel the weight of what was really going on. There, there are moments that, are, that affect us and, and then there are moments that should affect us and we need to somehow harness both. Do you know what I'm saying? Just to harness both. These moments that really do affect us. Um, our kids club here in Tamworth and now in Gunnedah uh, heard good news the other day. Where that person is about that. Um, that where that started was, for years, I would drive. If I, I don't normally drive on school time, but um, how funny is it we now have um, traffic in Tamworth? Has anyone noticed? I love it when we have peak hour, eight cars deep coming out of Kalala. They, uh, the, the, the thought is when I go past people sitting at bus stops, and especially kids, I remember that because I went to seven primary schools. I remember the feeling and the tension and all of that that comes with that. And so my heart breaks a bit. And, and probably for a few years, I just drove by and I'd, my heart would break and then I'd get to where I was going, I'd forget about it. And then when I thought, no, I can't do that. I, I need to stay with this and let it upset me until I do something about it. And I don't remember the timeline, I don't remember, but I needed to let it stay with me until it upset me until I did something about it. You know, when, when you've got something going on on the inside that when you see it periodically, that it moves you, I, I think it might be a God thought, it might be a God disruption, and I, I think we need to lean into that rather than scroll on from that. Does that make sense to everyone? So what is it that really disrupts you? What is it that in the moments before you can think really moves you? And ensuring that in our lives that that, that is allowed to 
linger. It's about allowed to hang around for a while. It's, a, it's allowed to go deep in us that God might do something through us, that we would be more than moved, but we would be those who act. Activists in our sphere, activists in our field, and activists especially as it relates to the gospel of Jesus. So, so just, and then get it down and stir it up. I think I've told you, I've got four things written down. It took me six months to settle. Just waiting, praying, thinking, meditating. These four things I'm prepared to give my next 10 years of life to. Four things. And then I write them down, try and craft beautiful language about it so I inspire myself, and then just pursue them, stay with them, allow them to move my heart. And so just doing that in our lives. And then it says do. He did something. He, it says he came healing. And I think this is really important. There's two types of Christians, right? There's you know, three. It's actually so many. It's ridiculous. But today there's three. There's people who just whatever. They're just living their life. You can't tell any difference between them and the person next to them. No impact. Irrelevant. There are people who are great at the gospel. And then there are people who are great at doing good. And what Jesus did is he brings both together. So the power is in when the God, good and the gospel come alongside each other. So many people are impacted by the good. That's what Jesus did. He, his healing and the things that he did for people opened up the door for the gospel. That brought them, an, it brought an openness in his life. And I think we should be those kinds of people, don't you? Like doing good, positively different, sacrificial. Boy, sacrifice is powerful. In an age where it is a lot about me, isn't sacrifice a powerful thing for somebody else? Just doing good, whatever it is. Whether it's meeting needs, I, there's one of the great, you know, I think he was a Catholic priest or something. Find a need and meet it. Find a hurt and heal it. Find someone down and lift them up. Find someone in darkness and bring them to the light. Find a need and meet it. Find a hurt and heal it. Find someone down, lift them up. Find someone in darkness and bring them to the light. And, and you know, whatever, however that looks for you and for me, just to move into our world and doing good, I wrote it this way. Good without gospel in the end is shallow because it only helps this life. But gospel without good is hollow. Good without gospel is shallow. I can bless someone all the way to a lost eternity. But gospel without good can be hollow for people too. Nobody's interested in someone who's got dogma. People want to see something powerful that God can use. And so just encourage us around that act. And then I've got some thoughts here that now will form my next message because we're out of time. And I just want to encourage you on one last thing. No, I don't. I'm going to ask you to stand and pray. You know, when I became a Christian as a 21-year-old, it took me six months to tell my dad that I'd made that decision. Six months. So awkward. I felt so weird. And yet, you know what? It's now the new normal, 26 years on. It's so normal. When you do what I do for a living, it better become normal. But it's true for all of us. What, what can seem um, awkward can become the new normal. And so I want to pray for you, help you, because lives of people can be transformed by the gospel of Jesus. Heavenly Father, thank you for every person here today. We commit our way to you. Lord, people who don't know you yet, we know that's the thing that is most desperate for you that you long to see in their lives. And so we commit everyone to you that we might all come to a knowledge of who you are, how much you love us, what you've done for us, the future you've called us to. And Heavenly Father, for everyone who believes today, Lord, we, we just pray, help us. We pray like Paul. Lord, help us with our boldness and courage that we might share the message that matters to a world that desperately needs God.
Oh, fill us with boldness. Fill us with courage. Fill us with wisdom. Inspire us with acts of good that somewhere in the future would be combined with the gospel of power. And Father, may you bless and help and lead every one of us this week in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Let's sing. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.